This is Still Rowing, a podcast where members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints share their authentic stories of struggle and triumph on their journey of discipleship, and just why they are choosing faith in the restored Church of Jesus Christ. Eva Koleva Timothy grew up under the shadow of communism in Eastern Europe. Yet under the tutelage of her artist father, she learned to cherish the pursuit of personal passion and the freedom to view the world for its possibilities, whatever the circumstance. She was one of the first converts in Bulgaria joining the church soon after the wall fell. Her love of the gospel and of freedom are both major themes in her art. Eva is known to possess an abundance of enthusiasm for life, and she loves art for its inherent power to focus, refine, and inspire. She lives north of Boston with her husband and three children. So welcome to the Still Rowing Podcast. I'm your host, Tara McCausland, and welcome, Eva. I'm just so thrilled to have this conversation with you tonight. Oh, goodness. I, I am the blessed one because you, <laughs> you asked me to do this, Tara. I'm very, very grateful. Thank you so much. Well, as I already mentioned in your bio, Eva, you grew up in Bulgaria under communism. Will you share more about your experience growing up in that environment and your introduction and conversion to the gospel? So I, I grew up in a very different world under a lot of oppression and uh, pretty much all the rights of the First Amendment were taken away. And um, none of my family members were ever part of the Communist Party. So we were persecuted and we weren't uh, given chances for like college. My dad applied to the university for an art degree a few times and he was always rejected. And um, so it's been, it was really hard growing up there because of the oppression. You were constantly put down. Uh, There was no freedom of speech, freedom of religion. I was very grateful in 1989 when things started to change and the wall fell in Germany and things were, um, the door, the borders were opening up and people were coming to Bulgaria for the first time ever. And all kinds of missionaries flooded the country. Everyone was so hungry and thirsty for religion, for God. And, um, I was 15 years old and I remember vividly um, going to so many different churches. I went to church on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday Adventist. I mean, and then Sunday I I went to a Baptist evangelist church. (laughs) I just kept trying to find God. And um, there were wonderful churches. I just never really felt that this is where I belong. I never fully wanted to commit to any of them. And, uh, so then after trying to find answers of who, who created the sunset, you know, who, who created this beautiful earth, wanting to know more about God. And I, I, we were kind of like Christers. We went to church on Christmas and on Easter. <laughs> That's kind of what our family used to be. And um, mostly because we didn't know where to find God. Um, and I, I never, I mean, it was amazing after I met the missionaries, they told me that I can actually read the book, the Bible. I can read it. I can have my own Bible and I can actually read the Bible. 
whatever I wanted to. And to me, that was like so amazing because before that I would always think, oh, it's only the priest that is the one that can preach and teach from the Bible. And who am I, right? Who am I to be able to do that? And so when the missionaries, I met them in the park in Sofia in Bulgaria and they were street boarding. So they had a picture of Jesus and some um, pamphlets around. And I, in my totally broken English, I reached out to them and I was like, so who are you? Do you talk about Christ? I had this very strong, I mean, my heart was beating so fast. I was so excited to talk to them. And all I could say again was, who are you? Where are you from? Do you talk about Jesus? Can you teach me more about Jesus? And um, they told me, they gave me a little, they gave me their number, where they meet for church and what time and said, well, come to church and you can find out more about what we're all about. And so I went, I went, I remember telling my parents, so I'm the only child to my mom and dad. And I remember telling them I'm going to this new church and I hope I like it because literally I've been going to so many churches and they're like, you're crazy. What are you doing? And <laughs> And so I remember going, I walked, we went into um, the, one of the main Sofia soccer stadiums and I, it was just me. I went by myself and I remember walking there and we met on the second floor of that soccer, soccer stadium. It was like an office building um, in a tiny room. And I remember walking in and, you know, it wasn't a cathedral. It wasn't any of these spectacular other places that, are so ornate and it was simple. It was very humble. It had taped up pictures of Jesus on the wall. It was probably like two sets of missionaries, me and two other members and another investigator. I mean, there was like 10 of us all together. It was a really small setting. And, and yet I remember the missionaries telling me during the sacrament to think about God and to let him talk to me. And I, for the first time, anyone's ever told me that, that I can actually talk to God and I can let him talk to me and I can talk to him. And so it was very powerful. I really felt the spirit of that moment, that humble setting. And I felt that I belong. I belong right there in that church. And I wanted so much more to learn everything I could. And I brought the missionaries right after the meeting. I mean, I was so filled with love, like I've never felt before just having those few moments during the sacrament to think of the savior and tell him how much I love him. And I'm so grateful that I have found them. And it really was a, a profound moment in my life. And I said, missionaries, let's go home. You have to meet my parents. So we got on the bus <laughs> and my parents had no clue they're coming. And then I just, we knocked on our door. We lived in an apartment building. We're on the eighth floor and opened the door. My mom's like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing what is going on and I said well there's some missionaries from the church I just went to and I, I think you guys we should really listen what they have to say and that was the beginning we were baptized four weeks after that wow so <laughs> yeah it was um it was pretty we were we, we were hungry we really wanted it we were ready so it was, it was pretty amazing well you're you're like every missionary's dream right there <laughs> <laughs> the personification of the golden investigator. Wow. What a story. And at 15, here are some parallels between you and Joseph Smith that you kept using the term hungry. Mm -hmm. You were hungry for God. And that puts you on this 
ravenous search, which I love and is so inspiring to me. But also the thing that you said that stood out to me, being in that humble setting the first time you attended church, um, that you were filled with love. How did that continue to influence your search? I know you said four weeks later, you were baptized as a family, but I know uh, from listening to a, a previous message from you that you had had your doubts. Can you share a little bit about that? When we first went there, um, well, first I went by myself, right? I loved everything and I, I went home, we talked to my parents and then the missionaries started teaching us. And then the whole idea about the word of wisdom came up. And um, my, I remember my mom and my dad and, um, and the law of tithing. There were just a lot of laws, a lot of commandments that we had to keep. And uh, my parents and I were talking. We said, well, that's, that's too much. We're already under so much like oppression. We have so many other laws. We, <laughs> it's always taboo. Don't do this, do that during communism. You know, I was like, okay, no more rules. <laughs> and uh, we actually wrote down why we we cannot be baptized because we had those doubts on a little piece of paper and my dad and I were walking one morning thinking you know how to tell the missionaries that because we we just absolutely loved them but we were like okay that's just too much you know quitting my parents were both smoking and drinking and um there was just a lot more required you know to be a follower of Christ that we've never known before and so at that very moment, we saw the missionaries. And that was, again, I think God watching out for us because honestly, I don't know what would have happened if they weren't right then, right at that moment, that they were just leaving their apartment at 930. They were very obedient. And it was incredible that we saw him right then. And one of them from California, he was just gotten there and he was greedy and barely could speak the language, but with his big open arms, just looked at us and said, which means here, my dearest friends. And my dad and I just looked at each other. We crumbled up the piece of paper and <laughs> stuffed it in our pocket. I'm like, we're not saying anything to them, right? <laughs> this is not. And then we expressed this sort of like, oh, we, we want to talk more. And he's like, oh, yes, let's do. So we went right back into our apartment and they continued the, the whole discussion that it's not just a law because you have to be oppressed, put down or any of these. It was a law because of love. And that made all the difference for us. And I think being able to understand that we wanted to follow these rules, we wanted to be obedient, we wanted to do anything possible to be closer to God, to be baptized in his church, we were willing to do and give up anything and everything. And that, that understanding made all the difference. And I remember the elders saying, you know, it's okay. This is for your good. It's really a blessing. It is so you're, you're healthier in your life that you, God is trying to protect you by giving you these commandments because he loves you and he wants you to be better. I was like, wow, I love this. And what a different way to approach the rules and guidelines and commandments because of love. And that my parents understanding that and feeling God's spirit, feeling God's love for that missionary testifying, we were completely edified by his words and so uplifted and felt this fire burning desire that well that's what requires to have God's love if that's from him because of love and 
we felt that so strongly we're willing to do everything and my parents have actually tried to quit smoking many times they would um come january first year new year resolution you know they'd be like oh yes let's let's don't hurt the baby the child you know we should not <laughs> smoke <laughs> and then february they're back doing it again so i'm a i'm a a witness to the transformation that happened to them because they knew that they want to be baptized they both quit right as they were committed by the missionaries asked you know will you keep the word of wisdom and he said yes and so for 30 years they have never ever touched it I and mean, it's a miracle it is a miracle all because wow. of love all because of love and they knew that god will help them that with god nothing shall be impossible and i to me i was like so so happy to see that because we've been wanting this for years every year <laughs> and yet it, it took the missionaries to come to actually teach us that and help us and open our eyes that the lord was he found us in a dark land and such hard conditions he knew that this little family wants him mm -hmm. <laughs> and wants his help. so it was oh, really, i love really it amazing. I love it. I love every part of that story. And I realized as you were talking that I failed to mention for our listeners that this is a part of our Anchors of Faith series. And we are focusing um, partly on obedience out of love. And with Eva's unique background, um, having grown up under communism, um, she has a, an interesting perspective, I believe, on the importance of obedience out of love versus feeling compelled to be obedient, which brings me to this next question. And, and this might be a little bit of a continuation of what you've just been talking about, Eva, but you described yourself to me prior to this interview as having an anti-strict spirit. So that was really interesting. Um, and obviously communism requires a certain lifestyle dictated by the state. Covenant living also requires certain ways of being and living to be in good standing in the church. So what have you observed as the defining difference in communistic living versus covenant living? Great question. Uh, just to give you a little bit of a background of what communist living was like for me, just little examples that I, I think sometimes people in the States don't, don't realize what was it like there. Um, and it kind of will, sh I will compare that to, you know, the spiritual, living um show the differences actually um basically i couldn't i couldn't even wear jeans to school because that that was a western clothing i could not own a pair of levi's because that means i'm supporting the western world i'm supporting america and america's bad america the whole propaganda was how awful america is that um million and one lies obviously luckily i had my parents who taught me that the west is best and so they knew they they loved the west they loved beetles they loved freedom and my dad painted a big mural of the beetles in our kitchen wall we probably could have gone to jail for doing that wow. if someone would have found that <laughs> but he, he just didn't care He's like i don't care i love the beetles and we would listen underground music because they would not just play it on the regular radio. You couldn't just find the Beatles on the radio. You had to go black market and underground and undercover sort of to listen to music, to music, beautiful music. And um, Tic Tacs, for example, or bananas. Like bananas, we only got bananas once a year on Christmas. 
that was it. It wasn't even Christmas, actually. It was New Year's, New Year's Day. They didn't celebrate Christmas. It was a New Year's Day. It was the big celebration and you get bananas and oranges. That was it. That was the only time of the year. So every time I look at a banana, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's not it's a holiday. <laughs> it's a holiday. <laughs> oh, so, and we, you were constantly told that we don't care about you. Just, you, you just have to obey and not do any of these things. And um, I, I was forced to like study Russian and I want to study English. I really wanted to study English. My passion was the English language. And, and yet I was told well, you have to study Russian. So since third grade, I, I, that was my second language. I had to learn Russian. They didn't care that I wanted to study English and I did not want to study Russian. And so it was things like this that I felt, you know, I, I did wear my, actually dad found some jeans and I, I wore them underneath my uniform. <laughs> I wore them to high school and I got sent to the headmaster's office. I had to explain why I'm wearing jeans under my uniform. And also I brought my English books because I would, I would get bored in class in Russian class, especially. And I would be reading my English. I'm trying to learn what I'm passionate about. And I'd get sent to the headmaster's office again. And I had straight A's. I mean, I love to study. I honestly, I, I pushed like I, there was so much effort from me. I love learning. And I love learning about America. And I found a beat up copy of the constitution because it was Xeroxed beat up copy of the constitution. And cause you could not just find the constitution anywhere to just read the U S constitution in, you know, in, in English. And it was one of my most precious possession. I was able to little by little decode it in my own special way, you know, and, and try to translate it to find out what America stands for. What did the founding fathers create? this great country, the promised land. And it, it was amazing that I had to go, you know, in such a roundabout way, but because of my passion and love for America to, to educate myself in my own way, because my history books would never teach me that. So in that way, I wasn't really complying with what they were telling me because I, I knew it wasn't right and it wasn't freedom. And so I, I wanted to find my way. I, I wanted to, um, find ways that would enrich my soul and my knowledge and ultimately help me to achieve my dream to come to America. So covenant living obviously requires guidelines, requires um, laws that the Lord wants us to live by. And it is completely different for me because I feel that I am doing everything possible that the Lord wants me to do because I want to be with him. I want him in my life and I want to be pure. I want to be able to be a vessel for him, for his spirit to be with me. And so again, it's, it's really my whole obedience to the gospel is driven because of that love that I have for him. And I feel that he has for me. And I, I remember even going on my mission and I had to wear nylons and I was like, I hate nylons. I'm not, I'm not a big fan me of those. Too. <laughs> I just want to go barefoot in my Birkenstocks. And, <laughs> and I, I, I just had to, it was New York city and I'm glad I did that. And um, because I, my feet would have been who knows, stepped on who knows what I was in the Bronx for a good chunk of my mission. And I was like, well, if that's what my mission president says, it's right. I'll do it. He's inspired. He knows I'm going on a mission a hundred percent for him. 
So whatever I'm told, I know that it's inspired by God. And I'm, I am a missionary. I'm 100% giving my time, my life for those 18 months to serve the Lord. So when you are obedient to God's commandments, you just feel that peace. You feel peace inside of you that you can't find otherwise. It's that peace and that love that you feel that when you're not obedient, it just does not come. It's very different. It is not invited. And it's, it's really uh, guidelines and rules for, to help us to be closer to him and to feel his spirit. That's, that's how I see it and how I live my life thinking about mm-hmm. it that way. Hmm. Well, I appreciate that so much. Um, yes, I too uh, did not like wearing nylons on my mission. <laughs> and there were a lot of rules on the mission, but I saw uh, directly, I think in more obvious ways, the blessings that came from my, my sacrifice on the mission. And I think that you're absolutely right. When we can equate commandments with love Mm -hmm. commandments, equal God's love for us, that it, it completely changes our feelings toward covenants and requirements for covenant living. I know in this day and age, you know, we, we, so often talk about be who you are and, you know, uh, whatever people use to say that they need to just be who they are, regardless of who says what. And and I know that our heavenly father values uniqueness and he values what we each bring to the table. But I also know that above all, he values us returning to him. Yes. And that requires a certain lifestyle. And I found a really cool um, quote from the prophet Joseph Smith, if you don't mind me reading it. He said, happiness is the object and design of our existence and will be the end thereof if we pursue the path that leads to it. And this path is virtue, uprightness, faithfulness, holiness, and keeping all the commandments of God. He goes on, he never will institute an, an ordinance or give a commandment to his people that is not calculated in its nature to promote that happiness which he has designed and which will not end in the greatest amount of good and glory to those who become the recipients of his law and ordinances. Finally, he says, all that our father gives to us and all that he requires of us is designed to promote the very happiness that is the object of the plan and of our existence. Obedience is neither a chore nor a burden. Rather, it is the source of true happiness in both mortality and eternity. We do not yield or give up our happiness when we obey. Obeying causes happiness. Mm, I love that. Isn't that cool? Yes. Through your own experience, you have seen what obedience brings, the blessings that come. What are the greatest blessings that have come to you because you are a covenant-keeping member of the restored church of Jesus Christ. I love the fact that the Lord says, I am bound when you do what I say, but when you do not do what I say, I have no promise. And that's kind of like stuck with me. <laughs> and I, I really want to be bound. I, I want to be close to him. And um, I, I, I think it all starts there. As we keep his commandments, he will bless us because God doesn't change our seasons and we change, right? I mean, uh, the seasons change and 
um, our lives change. There's new fashions, there's new music, and there's all these new things. But God is not changing. And his principles and his laws and his commandments are here. And I love that we have a prophet that guides us and, and helps us um, every general conference and gives us specifically what we need to hear for our day and age. That's, that's one of the things I love about our church, that we're a church of revelation. And I love that also in terms of following and abiding the counsel of the prophet, because it comes from God and can guide us and help us specifically as we open our hearts in our own daily lives, you know, in our own families, in our own problems that we have, that we can let that spirit of the Lord guide us. And I love, there's something that Elder Maxwell said um, years ago. I remember hearing that at a youth conference. And he said that everything we have is, belongs to the Lord, everything we have. But the one thing he wants from us is our will. And that also really stuck with me. And I'm like, oh, if that's, I will give him my will. You know, I, I was always like, oh, it's my will. Oh, I love him. I want to do everything possible that I can in my life to have that. And I have seen it as an example and for receiving revelation, I feel like I am much more uh, prone to receiving that guidance and that revelation when I'm bound to him, when I intentionally put him first in my life. And I love the scripture that says, trust in the Lord and lean not into your own understanding. Because I, I am really silly sometimes and I think I can figure things out on my own. <laughs> and I think I can just do it. Uh, and so often I fail. And I, I, I know exactly why I fail. is because I did not trust him and I thought I could do it. And I feel that as I, I try to remember and as I try to either memorize scriptures or spiritually, I feel like every time I turn to him, whether it's a devotional or my, my kids doing seminary, I love it. I feel that peace. I feel that goodness. Every little bit of that speck helps. Every little bit of our effort to include him with us in our daily lives help us to feel those blessings. Now, obviously, being a member of the church isn't always rainbows and butterflies. Discipleship is hard. I mean, bottom line, it really is hard. There was a great quote from Elder Holland from this past conference that Christianity is not comfortable. Yes. <laughs> um, and sometimes being a member of Christ Church can be challenging as we are trying to build Zion, but among imperfect people, because we too are imperfect. So you mentioned to me that sometimes you felt misunderstood and unneeded in the church because of your unique background. Perhaps you can share more about that and how love has inspired continued commitment to the Lord and his church in spite of those feelings. Definitely. I, I guess sometimes, well, there's like instances, for example, I used to teach the new member class and I absolutely loved that. And it was wonderful, but I would bring, I would quote C.S. Lewis and I would bring even Shakespeare. I would bring quotes from Charles Dickens, The Life of the Lord. And it's a wonderful book that I love so much. And I would quote him because he wrote this book for his own children to tell him how much he loves the Savior. So I was quoting, actually, President Hinckley quoted him years ago. And that's where I, I, I heard for him first. And I went about the book. But so sometimes I would use uh, sources that are not necessarily 
from our church, like again, C.S. Lewis, I mean, mere Christianity. And, and I would get criticized for that. And I would told that I'm not teaching about a book. I'm not teaching from the manual. Even though I was really covering what was in the manual, I just didn't literally read the manual word for word. And mm-hmm. it was a little hard for me. And I mean, my calling was taken away. I didn't teach that class anymore. And I, I was kind of heartbroken. And I was literally told, if you can't do this. And I wasn't doing anything wrong. And it was a wonderful atmosphere. And I was mostly, it was the idea that I wasn't teaching by the book word for word. I wasn't reading from the book like I'm supposed to be doing. And that was years ago. I know now things are very different. Even with our missionaries, they don't have to, I had to memorize the the discussions word for word. You probably had to as well. But now things are changing. And I, I don't know. I just felt like, oh my gosh, they don't want me to be me. <laughs> and I, I want to be me. And I, because it, it's who I am. And I, I felt like I was called to teach that class the way I feel I should teach that class. And I, every time I would pray and ask Heavenly Father who, you know, cause we had people joining the church there. We had people getting baptized. It was wonderful. And I would always relate to them. And I brought art in my class also. I brought pictures to show that were beautiful and depicting the savior. And anyway, and so I guess it was kind of outside of the church culture that I was doing these things, quoting C.S. Lewis and doing these things that not reading by the book. And it was hard for me. And other times I felt kind of not being used, not, not being called to do much when I had so much desire in my heart. And I felt like, well, the click, there's a little bit of a click there that I'm not part of. And I think we probably all feel that way. You know, there's always like a click and, but, um, and it probably isn't, but I just felt that way. Again, it's silly me thinking, but I felt lonely and I felt that I'm not being able to share what God's giving me with these wonderful people that I love so much. And I felt that I mean, I'm a return missionary. I was on fire and I, and then yet I didn't really have much to do and I wasn't called and um, asked to contribute. And then, and that was, that was hard for me. And people have said things too, that my, my um, enthusiasm wasn't contagious and things like this, you know, but I, I would go and I talk to my husband and I'd be crying, of course, because I would be hurt and I would be uh, heartbroken many times. And yet I would always that I, I go to church because I love God. And I go back to that same idea I had when I first joined a church, that fire that I felt and that love that I felt for him. And I am not perfect. No one's perfect at church. We all make mistakes all the time. And I've literally learned to not take offense. And I, I've, people would say things and I'd be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And Sometimes I maybe offend people and I didn't even know I'm offending them, but I, I just, I, I like to say, I'm sorry right away. I, I don't like to wait and hold a grudge. Um, and I think that that's kind of something that I was taught that way. You know, if you don't, if you mess up, just say, sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean to offend you. And I just, I love God and I want to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, but so I feel that way that when, Either I say something or someone tells me something. I, I try to help clear things out, whatever I can on my side. And I also, um, I try to brush off any personal misunderstandings, knowing that this is God's church. 
And that's always really helped me um, throughout my life and my membership in the church to know that it's his church. We as people are not perfect, but his church is perfect, the organization and remembering that he is the reason. Um, it's given me strength <laughs> to keep going to keep rowing. <laughs> yes. Well, I think you're spot on. I think when we start going to church because we're, we want to see our friends or we want to look a certain way or, or we stop going because uh, relationships go sour or, or someone dismisses us from a calling because we weren't going by the book. <laughs> right, um, right. I, I think what? remembering what you said, Eva, which is you go for God, you go to connect with him and with Jesus Christ. And we all struggle. And I think if we can remember that we gather so that we can help one another, so we can teach one another, but we, we come to church to stay connected with our heavenly father and to receive the blessing of the sacrament, then a lot of those other things that we might confront at church, they'll fall away and become less important. And really, I think what we determine is our focus is what we will experience more. If we go to feel God's love, that is what we will experience. Mm -hmm. But if we go for people, we, we will always be disappointed because people are imperfect. So thank you for reminding us of that. <laughs> But finally, uh, as was mentioned in your bio, your father was an artist, which is really cool. And he clearly passed that interest and gift on to you. And by the way, for our listeners, Eva is a remarkable artist. She's really produced some beautiful things. So I would highly recommend you check out her inspiring work. Um, but can you tell us more about how your interest in art evolved? and how you're using that medium to share your love for Christ? I actually grew up, as you know, um, in very humble circumstances, as I mentioned, and I never had a camera. We were way too poor to, <laughs> to own a camera. And yet I remember my dad, we'd be walking like, and we'd look at the concrete and he would point out and would see a little flower, or little, little plants trying to, to survive in that concrete. And he would say, that's you. Just look at that little plant right there. Don't you ever give up. There's always hope. And you just have to remember that, to just keep going and find that beauty around you. And so even though it was really dark and gray, my dad taught me to see color. He taught me to see beyond what was there, beyond here and now. He was like, well, there's, there's a lot of beauty there. You have to find it. You have to seek it. You have to look for the beauty. And I'm, I'm very grateful that. So for an early age, I, I was taking pictures with my eyes, right? I was like capturing, mostly with my heart too, trying to find that beauty, trying to, to capture it in my heart. And as I came to the university, I started at Ricks College, then I transferred to the University of Utah. A, it's kind of a long story, but a, a wonderful family from Utah sponsored me to come and uh, live with them. And Richard and Linda Iyer, and I absolutely love them. And it was wonderful that their daughter, Saren, was a missionary there. Um, my dream was to come to America. And there's a lot of little details that had to happen in order to come to, into place in order for this to happen. But again, the Lord's hand was guiding us um, on both sides. And they said, well, we, we really want to help you, sponsor you, come to America. Once that happened, I was actually able to have a camera at the university. And I was very grateful that I could finally see 
in print what my eyes have been seeing all these years. I, I literally have like five pictures of me growing up. That's it. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm grateful my kids have thousands, <laughs> maybe more than I ever want to have now, but I, I'm paying it forward. I'm grateful that I can uh, do something that the IRS helped me with a camera and education and helped me so much. And I'm, I'm trying to help other people and, and, and share that, that love I have for beauty and the gospel. I graduated from University of Utah in communications, but my emphasis was in film and photography. And so I've worked for almost 15 years in the fine art photography world. And I have loved that. It's been a wonderful experience to share my light and my passion about learning and creativity and um, just being in the fine art world. It's been, it's been a wonderful experience. I really, really enjoy that. But not until recently, um, maybe two, three years ago, I felt a very strong impression that I need to create work for the savior. And I might like this burning desire that, you know, in your bosom that I have to do this. And yet there were so many things preventing me from that. I lost my mom to cancer, which was very big tragedy. We were, it was really hard. And then it was like opposition to the core. And I would try to carve this little time, little time. And we homeschool our children too. So that in itself is a hundred, you know, it's a full-time job. But I, I felt that I felt it so strongly that this project, you know, you need to create this art for the savior right now in your life. And I can't, I've been in tears and I've been fasting and I've been praying. I'm like, Lord, please help me. I don't know how I'm going to find the time. I don't know how this is um, going to happen, but I just kept praying and I kept trying for a few years and hoping that the time will come when the, the windows of heaven will be open and timing and everything would work out. And it's really all about timing. And I, I started teaching myself um, new art in a way because new technical things I didn't know how to do. And the Lord has really inspired me and helped me through this whole process. And um, I, I just feel very strongly as I'm creating in my studio, I feel the love, I feel Jesus. I feel this amazing guidance. I pray every time before I start work, I am always praying. I would always read the scriptures and ponder, you know, what exactly should I work on? You know, what, what would the savior want me to do? And I, I feel like it's a, I'm an instrument in his hands. I, 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 he's guiding me. And oftentimes I have no clue what the next step will be how the lighting should come and how do I, cause I'm learning to digitally paint after I've taken the photographs. So it's all new to me. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not a very technical person either. So, <laughs> and, and yet the, the Lord has helped me and it's amazing. And as I'm creating, I'm praying and feeling and hoping that, that when people see the art, they will feel that closeness to the savior. They will feel that love to him. And I, I, very strongly from the very beginning of creating um, the Lord is my light. I felt that I should not reveal the face of the savior. It was just so strong because this project is very much so on a very individual approach to the savior. I, it's a one-on-one -on -one with him. And I, I felt very strongly that we all see Jesus differently. We see him in our own special way. And so that's, that's kind of as I've continued to um, create and I'm still creating, I have many ideas that I can't wait to get, to get to carve out time. One of the 
I believe maybe it was the Relief Society leaders. One of the ladies was talking about the sisters. She talked that we wear different hats. I'm not sure. Do you remember that talk? She was saying how she has a oh yes uh-huh. a, a different you know a cook hat or a creator hat or and I I I have to I love putting the creator hat on and <laughs> uh, figuratively speaking right my kids I shut my door I'm like I have to create and then of course I'm like doing it and the kids are like mom <laughs> so I I'm stopping and I'm going to help them of course that they're my number one priority but it's 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 just been amazing as I I try to get up early before they're awake and sometimes stay stay up later and during the day I try to carve that time when I feel and even when I don't feel I still try to carve that time because I I know that once I carve the time I will more likely have the time to feel as well and I feel that love and I pray that people will feel the same love as they look at the art, that they will feel closer to the savior. Well, as you were talking, Eva, I was thinking about the quote from Ezra Taft Benson, and I probably am going to butcher it, but it says something to the effect of the minute obedience ceases to be an irritant and becomes our quest, that is when God will endow us with power. Oh, wow. And I was thinking about how this all kind of comes together as we're wrapping up this interview. I know that as you had described yourself as being this, this free spirit, this anti-strict spirit who wants to create and be you, be Eva, Timothy. I was just thinking, you know, when we choose to be obedient, that is when the spirit can really start working in us and bring out those unique gifts that God has given to each of us to to build his kingdom and to bring joy to ourselves and to others and and you are doing that and so for each of us when we when we feel maybe tied down by covenants or commandments remembering covenants actually give us wings it's yes. not a straitjacket mm-hmm. and the closer we try and draw to our savior to our heavenly parents the more they can bless us to be the unique gifted individual that we were created to be I'm doing this um, recording for the first time via Zoom, and I can actually see Eva, and she is just filled with light. (laughs) And I love her. I I wish that she wasn't so far away. I wish we could hang out. Um, But if people want to find you, Eva, where's the best place to find you? Oh, gosh. I want to give you a big hug. (laughs) hug (laughs) Probably two places. Uh, My website which is www.elumea.com, which is I-L-L-U-M-E-A.com. Or Instagram, it's at Eva underscore Timothy. And I'm also on Facebook, not as much. I mean, I am there. I'm trying to, uh, social media is, oh. It's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. But uh, yes, I am trying to post uh, definitely on Instagram, Eva at underscore Timothy. Awesome. And I will put that in the show notes for our listeners who want to find you, Eva. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've just enjoyed this so much, Eva, but I know that our time is short. So I wanted to ask you our last question, which is why are you still rowing and choosing faith in Jesus Christ and his restored church? Oh my goodness. I I'm grateful. I have that opportunity to be still rowing. <laughs> I would not be anywhere else, but, but in the restored church of Jesus Christ. I, I am so eternally grateful. I'm so grateful for the missionaries that came and found me in the lost land in Bulgaria. And I'm grateful that I, I can share that love for the gospel with my own children. And 
I am rowing because I love Jesus. I love him with my whole heart and I love the gospel. And it's the greatest blessing that's ever happened to me. And the greatest, the most precious possession I have is my faith and love for the savior. And I, I would not rather be anywhere else, but here. And I'm very, very grateful for that chance. Thank you, Eva. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Still Rowing Podcast. If you would like a little daily motivation to keep rowing, you can find me on Instagram at churchofjesuschrist underscore sr underscore podcast and on Facebook at churchofjesuschristsrpodcast. Also, if you've been enjoying this podcast, if you would go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, that would help us spread the word about still rowing. Thanks again for listening.